0: So I guess the motto for chuva is not don't look back. Really? <laughs> the motto is pause and take time to look back. And right. so there are all kinds of ways that a person can build that in. And then that's just step one because then what are you gonna do to effect repair?
1: I'm Rabbi Deborah Waxman, and I'm so happy to welcome you to Hashi Denu, a podcast about Jewish teachings on resilience. This podcast looks at different resiliency practices in Jewish teaching and Jewish living. In this episode, I'm delighted to talk with my friend and my teacher and my colleague, Rabbi Vivi Mayer. Vivi is a faculty member at the Reconstructionist Rabbinical College. She was one of my teachers. And she serves now as the director of the Beit Midrash here. And we are going to talk about teshuva, about what is usually translated as repentance. So Vivi, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Uh, Can I ask you to begin um, with helping to uh, unpack, to explain what is teshuva?
0: Well, the word teshuva comes from the root of Shav, coming back, coming back, coming back. And uh teshuva is, I would say, the the belief and the principle that you can always come back. You're never stuck out there, or even when you feel like you're out there, out on a limb or out on the ledge, there's always a path back, always a path to return. And uh I think different people would say that what you're returning to is um, a a different place. I mean, some people might say returning to center. Some people use the metaphor of returning to a path, like you veered off the path, you're coming back to the path. Um, Some people say returning to God. Um, Some people think of it as returning to self or returning to truth. But I think it's, it's a dynamic process. And all of us somehow go off-center or off-the-path or off-self or off-truth. And then tshuva is this way that we come back and the belief that we can always come back. That's beautiful.
1: Uh, We are heading into the high holiday season, which, you know, some people say high holy days, which is one translation of yamim Noraim, the days of awe. They're also known as aseretimei. Teshuvah, the ten days of repentance. Can you talk about why teshuvah is so central in general and in
2: the high holiday season? Hmm. So, I I think that so is connected with, to every
0: shifting moment when when the world shifts. It's an opportunity for assessment oh. and recalibration and as a dear friend of mine calls it, pressing the reset button. <laughs> the change of a year, coming to the end of a year, and starting a new year is a big moment for assessment and self-examination and decision making of do I am I happy with the path I'm on? Do I need to change something? Do I need to go back? Do I need to return to something? And I think also just the process of coming back around to a new year is a teshuva of the cycle of the year, going back from whatever, from the end of the year to the beginning of the year. And so we spiritually are bringing ourselves back as the year is turning. And actually, teshuva is a daily practice, a weekly practice, a monthly practice, as you know waking up to a fresh day and we say every day that God is renewing creation that's also a moment of teshuva of saying okay yesterday was yesterday what do i want to do today how do i continue yesterday's work in the direction that it, that i set up and or where do i need to change direction so every opportunity is of when the outside environment is changing is a moment for Teshuvah.
1: Uh, for us to turn in and to do the internal work that m- matches and rises to the opportunity that the external world, uh, if we're paying attention, yes, invites us exactly. to. exactly.
0: And even, I don't, there's this lesser known custom of Yom Kippur Katan, mm-hmm. which is the eve of every new moon, is, there's a, some people um, I've never done this, and I still want to put this on my list, but there, people observe a fast day on the day before the Rosh Chodesh, the day before the new moon, and look at the moon, how it's disappeared and is now renewing, and take that as a model of, okay, last month is gone, and now how do I want to step into this new month? So that's a a miniature Yom Kippur, and here in, in Tishrei we do... The big Yom Kippur.
1: This is the I think the challenge I have with when folks only come to synagogue just at the holidays. There it's the it's such a peak experience. Like these are these big themes. And ideally it's a it's a buildup of a series of practices that we're doing. So if Yom Kippur is the most solemn day of the year and the opportunity to do this repentance, it's a lot easier to do that if you're doing it on a continuous basis rather than trying to get it all. It's not a it's not really a one and once and done
0: process absolutely absolutely and yet if you haven't been doing it all year the year comes to an end and a new year begins and there you are so it it's it's uh happens to you also and i guess the best thing is when things are happening to you and you're going along with them in with your uh, accompanying practices that's right that's right that's right, and so
1: right, it's an opportunity that you don't want to miss. Um, you yeah. know, it, 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 whether whether it's something that you, a course that you have set yourself on, or all of a sudden here we are,
0: let's mm-hmm. let's get down and to this work. So you started off. You said the ten days of repentance, and actually Yom Kippur is the tenth, mm-hmm. the last day of repentance, and so from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, there are these ten days of build up. But even before that, there's the those 10 days are the last 10 days of the 40 days, which are start with the month of Elul, which is the, uh, the month of tshuva that prepares us for that shift. And even before Elul, bef- the, in, in the middle of the summer, we start reading the book of Deuteronomy, which is the last book of the five books of the Torah. And that entire book is kind of a, a teaching of tshuva, in a way that um, it's the story of the four first books, the story is over. Because there we are at the end of the fourth book at the Jordan River ready to cross. And then it takes the whole fifth book to stand there and not cross <laughs> at the end of the book. We still haven't crossed. But I see that um, the rhythm of the of reading the Parshat Shavu, the weekly Torah readings, as kind of bringing us closer and closer to that end of the year, like that moment that we're going to cross the Jordan and step into the land of Israel, but actually we're going to cross the Jordan and then flip back to the first book of, (laughs) the first part of Bereshit. But that the whole book of Deuteronomy is about a prediction that you're going to go into your settled life, everything's going to go well, and you're going to get complacent. And you're going to forget everything that you've been through in these first four books. And um, you're going to create distance between you and the presence, you and the divine, you and God. And then you will turn back. You'll come back. You'll want to come back because you'll feel that's, that distance. So that, that's the stuff that we're reading as we come into Elul, come into Rosh Hashanah, and come into... Yom Kippur.
1: It's perfect. So, what, so you're raising up that, you know, you're talking about the literary and the religious themes of our sacred texts. That how Deuteronomy functions as an instruction or an example. We can read it as an example of of teshuvah. Then that's built into the cycle of the year as well. That that's exactly the the literary and religious reading that we're doing, as we are um, invited into doing this self-work as we head into, the, into that mm-hmm. uh, high holiday season. Can you share some practices, either traditional or more contemporary, that help us in this cheshbon ha the steps of tshuva, mm-hmm. and the practices that support this pathway toward repair and toward repentance?
0: Well, one thing, I'm thinking of Deuteronomy and the, the danger that Deuteronomy proposed propose, describes that you're going to get fat and settled and complacent and forget. So I'm thinking to inquire into what is it that's causing the distance. And I guess so the feshbon nefesh, or this self, this inquiry into um, what is causing the distance I guess first means you need to acknowledge that there is distance that you want to bridge. So bef- before talking about practices, I, th- I want to mention Maimonides and his framework for Tshuva, which is that the first step is acknowledging what you've done and feeling regret. So there's a... I think for so many people, just even just stopping to look at, you know, is there something that I'm regretting? Is there some something that I wish wasn't so? That takes a pausing, and I think that could be with through a daily practice of before you go to bed. I mean, that's there's built-in chuva practices in um, the bedtime shema where we just you know review the happenings of the day. So that is a moment where someone. Uh, lying in bed before inviting sleep, can catalog through and say, is there something that I regret for today? And the Rambam's, Maimonides' next step is confession. So there's regret, there's confession, which means uh, either in prayer to God, if it's a personal thing, but if there's another person involved, then there's a confession before people. And then the third step is coming back into that same situation and not doing what you had done. So the practice of Juva is a it's a dynamic practice that involves many steps. So I think, you know, for how do we come bring ourselves to that place of examination and regret, I could imagine with a spirit buddy working, you know, meeting with a a, a Musar group or journaling or having a certain time of day where you just review. So I guess the, the motto for Chuva is not don't look back. Yeah. <laughs> the motto is pause and take time to look back. And right. so there are all kinds of ways that a person can build that in. And then that's just step one because then what are you going to do to effect repair? Um, It's the
1: looking back in the service of moving forward, but it's not in a straight line. It's in this kind of cyclical, cyclical line. There's a teaching that I've heard you teach about how teshuva is built into the very fabric of the universe. When God created the world,
0: the world was predicated on teshuva.
1: And so for that idea yes. that we will err, we will wander, we yes. will forget. That is built in. <laughs> yes. And so too, there is the possibility and the pathway toward returning. When you were speaking at the beginning about the Hebrew roots, that's the way that this conversation is related to this entire podcast is here today we're talking about Teshuva and the ways that, it's part of an everyday life, and that we have a, a season of real f- a focus on it. And hashivenu is from that. You, when you hear the sh and the v sound, it's from the same root. And that's in an active form. A god should return mm-hmm. us in a traditional. So that I think that's also part of the foundation well, of the world. That it's in in a
0: partnership somehow. And you also you just got me excited because this hashivenu verse is connects. Tisha B'Av and Yom Kippur. So, for the, so the, ninth. I w- the ninth of Av, which is the low point in the Jewish calendar where we mourn the destruction of the temple and the exile with a capital E. And we read the book of Echa, the book of Lamentations. Mm-hmm. And the last verse that we read is this Venu. bring us back to you and we will come back. And we read it p- very plaintively with...
2: And then that verse
0: comes back again in the Slichot davening and in the Yom Kippur davening where we sing Shema koleinu
2: Adonai Eloheinu Chus aleinu so we are connecting that, this whole span of those right. seven weeks
0: right. of Deuteronomy to Yom Kippur, of Tisha of the ninth of Av to Yom Kippur, with that Hashiveinu. Right. And, and the historical experience of the Jewish people that is, was both a literal
1: experience and mined deeply for religious significance with the experience of individual Jews seeking on that local level along with a national or a, an ethno-national level along with trying to come into right order somehow with the entire universe.
2: Yes, from
0: disconnection to connection. Right. From lost to found.
1: That's right. That's right. Oh, so lovely. So it's beautiful, beautiful to talk about this conceptually. And it's um, hard to do. It's one of the reasons I was asking about practices. Yes. Certainly, and I think that's true in all times. And one of the reasons there are so many practices built into Judaism is because I think it's it's been hard for humans to do all along, if it's in our nature, to wander and to... Get out of alignment, Strain. and this is the redemptive piece that this is built in in the modern and the postmodern time. I think it's especially hard. You know, so many of my days, I'm just running, 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 and when I'm not in meetings or um, trying to do self care like exercising, mm-hmm. or you know, I'm often on my phone. You know, because it's, there's that twenty four seven availability. Uh, That's one of the reasons for me on Shabbat. It's so important to step back from from technology. So to carve out the time to look, well, to feel what am I feeling and to look at what I'm doing in a, in a reflective way, in a way that might suggest changes, I think it's really hard to do. And so I'm always grateful for the high holiday season because it's a, it's a big kick in the, in yes, the tush. You and know? it
0: frames, yeah. it, it says, this is the theme. Right. <laughs> because it's so big, if it is such a big thing, that the whole world is predicated on it, it's like all the time, all, every right. day, then when do you do it? That's right. But this kind of, yeah, a nice kick That's right. <laughs> to That's do right. it. When you said, like, what is the? what are the practices? It's hard to do. So I, I, I it is hard to do. And I also want to repeat what Sylvia Borstein says about breathing, that every time you breathe, it's an act of teshuva because you're coming back Mm. to the breath Mm. um i don't know if she says every time you notice that you've breathed it's an act of chiva or every time you breathe maybe it's every time you notice that you Mm. breathe Mm. um and we could do that like right now and just breathe and there just noticing that we've breathed is like it's uh, settling. That's right. It's a s- settling coming back. She, I hear her voice say, come back to the breath. Right. Come and back to the breath. So that's this simple tshuva. And I think Shabbat also is this come back. Back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Back to the beginning. So so a lot of little built-in things, but it's true. If we don't stop for all those wonderful built-in mechanisms we're going to miss all of them. <laughs>
1: yeah, and and the opportunities that arise. Part of, uh, I'm very committed to a daily practice, and I guess a nightly practice of a bedtime Shema. Which, so there's uh, teaching that before we go to bed, we say the Shema, before we go to sleep, we say the Shema and there's a whole bunch of text and liturgy written up around it. And I say the Reconstructionist version, which is four paragraphs, it's not so long. And I started it actually because I had a terrible insomnia. I think I've been doing it for 20 years now, every night, except when I'm sick, I think. A couple times I've crashed without it. And I started mostly because I was trying to ritualize my sleep. And one of the reasons sometimes I don't sleep well is because I'm kind of caught up in, mm-hmm. in, in hurts or in resentments. I, so I had this really fascinating experience, because sometimes chuva is about, there's, it's all about relationship with ourselves, with other people, and and if you have a conception of God, with the divine. And so it begins with reflection, including about forgiving other people, which is part of this process. And a couple nights ago, I went to bed angry, which is not always a great thing to do. And I started this um, ritual, which, you know, I know by heart, and and I was paying attention to the words. And I thought, and I was angry. I had been hurt, uh, but I, in truth, I think I had done more hurting. And I thought, am I, you know, am I ready? Really, am I ready to forgive? Am I ready to ask for forgiveness? You know, I. But I was really stuck with where I was, and so that was really interesting to be like, mm. so, so, what does that mean? Should I not say the bedtime shema? Should I stop the? You know, I, I was, I was really tripped up by this. Mm. this so the
0: ritual sh- ma- made you confront.
1: Yeah, yeah, that which I really didn't want to confront. And so you know, I went to sleep, and then the next day set about on the work of repair. I probably would have done it without that, um, but definitely the my evening reflection helped. You know, part of what was astonishing to me was thinking um, two days later when I was doing a morning practice I do of, of saying how grateful I am to God for returning my soul to me. And I was thinking, well, what do I feel grateful about? And I thought, I I never could have imagined feeling as whole as I do right now. 48 hours ago, everything felt broken. Like, Mm. I was definitely lost. The image of being lost in the wilderness felt felt very acute. And I think mostly because I said I'm sorry— More that than the other person saying, yes, I'm sorry too. Like we were, we had restored the relationship. There was a lot of repair and I felt whole again. And I just felt so much gratitude for the opportunity to begin again, uh, which felt unimaginable at the moment of deepest pain and felt so, so grateful. It wasn't magic.
0: It was work. And transformative. Yeah. Right. And then the story, see till the chuva moment the story goes one way and then when when chuva happens, the whole story is a new story with a with a happy ending. That's right. And then that hard moment that just becomes a kind of Dynamic in the plot. <laughs> right.
1: But it's and not a fairy tale story. That's the thing, is that it's it's not like, no. and, and, and happily ever after, like, because it's going to happen again tomorrow.
0: Or... Right. Because then it's the end of the chapter. And then there's another dynamic plot in the that's next exactly, chapter. That's exactly right. Which we do chuva for. That's right. And again and again and again, as long as we're alive. So, can we
1: end? Is there uh, a chant that you might want to share that you think helps to orient us toward the work of opening ourselves and and doing the work of finding our
2: way back to wholeness and to renewal? There's a chant that Shefa, Rabbi Shefa Gold wrote. It's, um,
0: the words are from Shir Hashirim, Song of Songs. And the words are Dodi Tzafantilach. It's a uh, my love, I have hidden for you it's a uh, It's part of a longer verse that says, "All of my delicious fruits, old and new, I have stored away for you. and um i I love this chant as um, f- focusing on my heart and the hidden things in my heart that I remember that these hidden things are, I want to share them with my beloved and not be ashamed of them. Chanting this is an antidote to shame, I think. And I think shame is one of perhaps the biggest obstacles to tshuva. It blocks even starting in the process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So...
2: Dodi di, sa fanti lah, doh Dodi sa fanti lah, doh sa sa do di zavanti do di zavanti do di zavanti do di zavanti
1: Thank you, Vivi, for your teaching, for your heart, and
2: for your beautiful song. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. This
1: podcast was created and hosted by Rabbi Deborah Waxman. Production and editing by Rachel Burgess. Logistics and scheduling by Marie Berger. Web support provided by Rabbi Michael Fessler. Social media and communication support by Bob Bershad, Victoria Genter, Elena Jackendorf, and Brian Schwartzman. Our theme song was composed by Chana Rothman. Please visit our website at www.jewishrecon.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.